Hey, this is Andy Lucas, pastor of Emmaus Road Church in Fort Collins, Colorado. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this message helps you grow in your walk with Christ. If you'd like to support this ministry, visit theroadfc.org and click the giving link. Uh, Well, the wait is almost over. Uh, Tomorrow morning, or for some, by nightfall this evening, many homes will be filled with screams of laughter and joy as gifts are exchanged and music is played and meals are prepared. Uh, Tomorrow is one of the few days where it is okay to stay in your PJs all day long, regardless of your age. And all the adults said, amen. That's right. It's, uh, it's one of the few days where families have dedicated time to spend time together and to play games and just to enjoy one another's company. Really, the truth is, in many ways, Christmas Day is a beautiful culmination of the craziness of the holiday season. Right, we we spend uh, more and more time every year, months and weeks leading up to to, to Christmas with all the the busyness and the craziness of the holidays, and and what a what a great gift it is to be able to just take a deep breath and be reminded of the many good things that we enjoy in life. So for so many, it is a day of great joy. You could say that it is also a, a day of great cheer, of a happy day or a merry day, and so. This Advent, we've been in a series called Hope and Joy, Uh, because the truth is, is that in the middle of crazy news cycles and dealing with our own mess, we need, as the people of God, authentic hope and lasting joy. And so we've been exploring these Advent themes uh, as we prepare our hearts for Christmas. And so today, I want to close this series by looking one more time at the theme of joy, I don't have a primary text this morning. It's a little bit unusual for me. Uh, But rather what I want to do is is take broad sweeps and look at the theme of joy throughout Scripture. And what we find is that in biblical language, uh, so too in many of our own languages, there are many words to describe being in a good mood. Uh, Joy, uh, in the English language we have happy or cheerful or joyful or merry. Uh, The same is true for biblical language. There are a variety of words that, in both Greek and Hebrew, that basically mean joy. In fact, what we find uh, as you do a word study of joy throughout Scripture is, in Hebrew and Greek, we have a whole number of words that are translated to our English word joy, and each one has their own nuance. Uh, But if you were to look in your um, in your Bibles today and, and find all the places where joy is listed. Uh, what you would find immediately is that the theme of joy runs throughout all of Scripture. Uh, The psalmist in in Psalm 65, verses 11 and 12, he talks about people finding joy in beautiful things. In fact, this is a nod to the good world that God made in Genesis 1. And and we live in God's country, so we know all about that, right? Uh, We know all about enjoying the beautiful things. Uh, I was driving my kids to school on Friday morning because they had school on Friday morning. Um, and uh, w- it was, the snow had just fallen and, and all the frost was stuck uh, to the trees and the morning sunlight was shining through. And, and I thought, man, this is absolutely gorgeous. And it brings joy. I mean, just, just beholding things that are beautiful can bring joy and the psalmist captures that. The psalmist also says there's joy to be found in, in growing flocks and abundant harvests. Maybe something we don't know so much about, but 
Certainly we find that to be true. In Jeremiah 33, verse 11, it talks about how there's joy at a wedding, right? And, and how many of you remember your wedding day as just being this day of great joy, right? Or, or maybe you remember it was a day of great joy, but I don't remember much about it, right? Because it's just a blur, right? All the brides said amen. Like, I'm pretty sure I got married because there's this guy next to me, but I don't remember when it happened, right? It's just a day of, of craziness. Uh, but certainly we, we find joy at weddings and Proverbs, the, the great book of wisdom in the 23rd chapter, talks about how there's joy to be found in children. And if you, will, if you would talk to any adult today that has kids, they would say that's indeed the case. In fact, one of the great joys of Christmas is watching uh, the faces of kids light up uh, as they open gifts. And, and that's why maybe a little bit later in life is when you learn that the real joy of Christmas is giving. The real joy is, is being able to watch the kids light up with joy and their faces uh, just, just uh, elated. It's, it's such a joy to have those kids. And of course, we would expect all of these things to bring joy. And, and maybe we would add to the list things like, uh, that would mark joy like holidays or other events or birthdays. In fact, if you've seen Inside Out, this, uh, the brilliant movie, by the way, uh, if you've seen Inside Out, the character Joy is always trying to make sure that, that she is the primary emotion, right? She's, she's running around always trying to reverse or quiet or, or hamper the other, those other emotions like fear and anger and sadness. And so whenever sadness takes center stage, Joy is right there saying, oh, no, 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 there's lots to be joyful about. Let's not get too sad. Let's not do that. Always trying to put a positive spin on things. But one of the lessons that joy has to learn in Inside Out is that life isn't just about moving from one moment of joy to the next, right? In fact, in our lives, we can experience lots of sadness and, and fear and, and even anger. And for some, we must recognize that for some, Christmas Day is a very difficult day. It's perhaps a reminder of broken relationships or loved ones who have passed away. And in the absence of, of joy that fills us up, we are left feeling very empty for the lack of joy. And, and we find that true to be, to be true in the biblical story as well. For the biblical story reflects this darkness as it recounts the many ways that our lives can lack joy because of sadness and sickness, rebellion, and even death. But I want to remind us this morning that joy is a theme that runs throughout all the Bible. And so what I want to say to us this morning is that it's actually in the midst of these dark times that the Bible offers us a unique viewpoint on joy. And that viewpoint is this, that, that the Bible says that joy is an attitude that we can adopt, not based on our circumstances, but based on God's love and God's promise. And that's good news, right? Uh, let me say that again. Uh, the, the, the Bible says that joy is an attitude that we can adopt, not based on our circumstances, but based on God's love for us and his promises, and so we see this when the people of Israel are freed from captivity in Egypt through the leadership of Moses. Uh, the very first thing they do after being freed from captivity through the leadership of Moses is they sing for joy. Now, which would make actually a lot of sense if they were, had been freed and escorted to their homeland and maybe given a sandals resort where all the food and drinks were included. You would think, yeah, we were freed, and now we, are, now we have reason and cause for joy. But 
That wasn't the case, was it? Actually, what happened is they were freed from captivity, but they were stuck in the desert. So yes, they were freed, but then they are stuck in the desert. And, in that, and there, they are vulnerable, and they're a long way off from the land that had been promised to them. And so the scripture says, but still they rejoice. In fact, the poets in the Psalms recount this time in Psalm 105, and it says, uh, so he brought the people out with joy and the chosen ones with singing. And so we find from the story of Israel that joy is possible in the wilderness. And if we, ca- if, we, if we trace joy throughout all of Scripture, and if we're paying attention, what we realize is that joy in the wilderness becomes a biblical motif of what true joy looks like. Because joy in the wilderness speaks to the reality that joy is not determined by my current struggles, but by my future destiny. And that's certainly the, 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 the reality that the people of Israel lived in, that they weren't so focused on now we're trapped in the desert and vulnerable and a long way from the promised land, but rather they found joy in the fact that they had been freed from captivity and were certain, based on God's faithfulness, that he was going to bring them to the land that he had promised. And so their joy was not based on their current struggles, but their future destiny based on what God had promised to do. Let's return to, to Inside Out. Joy from Inside Out must learn that the presence of other emotions doesn't mean that joy isn't there. What joy must learn is that joy can rather undergird and, and provide a foundation to all the other emotions. And it points us to a very important reality that joy and happiness aren't necessarily the same thing. And man, I think that, we, you know, as parents, we always try to teach our kids that, but where are, we need, parents need parents to teach us that, right? And to say, man, like, joy and happiness aren't necessarily the same thing. And the Bible teaches us this very same thing, and it does it in a way that's loud and clear, that for the people of God, our joy is not based on what's happening right now, but rather our joy is based on the confidence of what God has promised to do, Right? Right? (laughs) Which is principally that he has promised to make all things new. Now this theme continues further on into the biblical story because God's people eventually reach the promised land, but they are captured again and they find themselves under the foot of oppression. In fact, if you read the biblical story, this same exact cycle repeats itself several times throughout the Old Testament. Uh, where they get what is promised to them, captured again because of disobedience, under the foot of oppression and rescued, and then the cycle goes on and on and on. But in the midst of one of those cycles, when the people of God once again find themselves in a difficult circumstance, and under the, under, under the foot of oppression, the prophet Isaiah dreams of a day when God will raise up a new deliverer, who will be similar to Moses, but will set his people free once and for all. And so, given this voice of the prophet speaking in the wilderness, there becomes not just joy in the wilderness, but now there's something that builds on top of that, and that is that there is joy in the waiting. That there is joy in the waiting. 
And if I can tell you anything, what Advent is all about, it is precisely that. That as the people of God, we are called to have joy in the waiting. That we're stuck right in the middle, we're sandwiched in the middle of this reality. That we both celebrate that Jesus Christ has come. That all the hopes of Israel were fulfilled and met in this person of Jesus Christ. That God became flesh and he is now with us. We were doing an Advent reading last night with a family, and I said, kids, here's what the Advent is all about. God is with us. And there, man, like that, just that, if we could just come to realize that, and if we could explore the depths of that, and if we could, we could know the profound, the profound nature of that, then we would recognize the beauty that is Advent and the cause for celebration. God is with us. But we also need to recognize that as the people of God, we're stuck in the middle. That there is still waiting to be done. And what God calls us to is a joy in the waiting. And if we can learn anything from the biblical story, we can learn that. That there is, in fact, joy in the waiting. That we can have joy in the wilderness because our joy is not based on our current circumstance, but what what God intends to do. But we can also have joy in the waiting. As we await for deliverance. Let me illustrate it to you this way. I have taken a risk and I have purchased new glasses online. Somebody pray for me. I've been waiting for them to come. They are what I call professor glasses because I want to be smart. Professor glasses, they have a big black frame along the top and then silver rims along the bottom. My grandpa wore the same pair. And they're back, right? And I'm kind of excited about them because um, I figure that with those glasses, all I'll need is a fedora and a tattoo and I'll be relevant again, you know? Like I'll be cool again. And so I'm excited about these glasses. And I can say that knowing that they are on the way brings joy, right? Watching the shipping brings joy. They're getting a little bit closer. They're, they're getting a little bit closer. They're on the truck. They're out for delivery, right? And they're coming, and it's a, it's, a bear, it's a great thing because there is joy in the waiting because I know that when they come, I won't have to look at all of you through these scratched and foggy lenses and frames that are falling apart. So even in the midst of of a pair of old glasses, there is joy because new ones are on the way. I can see that you are not quite as excited as I am about these new glasses. Well, the joy is in the waiting, but it doesn't compare to the joy of arrival, right? Because they came yesterday. Yeah, and life is good. Because the joy of waiting does not compare to the joy of arrival. But here's, the, here's what I want to tell you. Don't fall down. Here's what I want to tell you. Here's what I want to tell you. There's joy in the waiting. There's joy in the waiting. And we look forward to the day when the joy of our waiting will not compare to the joy of the arrival. Amen? Amen. See, this is a beautiful thing, a beautiful gift that God has given to us. And so the unique claim, the unique claim of the Bible is that our joy is not determined by what is, but by what is to come. Now, I don't know if you'll hear a word I say for the rest of the message, 
but we'll go with it. The unique claim of the Bible is not that our joy is determined, is that our joy isn't determined by what is, but, but, why, but what is to come. And that's why it's significant that when Jesus is born, his birth is announced as this, good news that will bring great joy for all people. And so what we celebrate at Christmas is that the joy source himself has arrived. And then we might be tempted to say, well, there you have it. Joy has arrived. And now our lives will be marked only with blessing and good times and easy living, right? <laughs> and in fact, this isn't what Jesus teaches. Jesus teaches his new kingdom community the same joy in the wilderness principle. And so joy in the wilderness does become a whole motif that carries us all the way through scripture. In fact, Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 5. He says, blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. For rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For in the same way that they persecuted the prophets who were before you. See, Jesus tells us to have joy in the midst of the wilderness. You have to have joy even when things aren't going well. And I would say this is a pretty important message for the people of God and this new kingdom community to realize. Because guess what? Right after this, Jesus dies. And the people of God realize, in fact, it turns out that joy can't be determined by our circumstances or our joy will rarely come. And when it does, it will be fleeting. Because there's another challenge around the corner. There's something else coming. But the joy in the wilderness principle shows us that while salvation was accomplished on the cross, it is worked out over time. And so even the work of salvation, even the work of salvation accomplished, there will be times of wilderness in our lives. And so Jesus had to teach the joy in the wilderness principle because he knew he was headed to the cross. But you know that we can't talk about the cross for very long before talking about the resurrection. For the resurrection becomes the concrete evidence of the new world that God is bringing about and it becomes the very foundation of joy for the kingdom community. That the resurrection of Jesus Christ as the first evidence and the solid evidence of the new world that God is bringing about becomes the foundation of joy for this new kingdom community of Christ. We see that all throughout the New Testament and it is true for us as well. In fact, they preached and ministered and proclaimed the good news of the gospel of joy and they did it with joy even when they were persecuted for doing so. I want us to catch that. That these very first believers proclaimed and ministered, proclaiming the good news of the gospel of joy. So they had a proclamation of joy, but they also shared that message with joy, even in the midst of their persecution. Because they knew that the foundation of their joy wasn't what they were facing in, in their circumstances. They knew the foundation of their joy was the fact that Jesus had been raised from the dead and a new world is coming. Acts, Acts chapter 13, verse 52 says this, and the disciples, disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. In fact, 
joy becomes reasonable. (laughs) Joy becomes the natural thing when we believe that Jesus' death and resurrection has overcome death itself. Joy becomes not just possible, but reasonable, even in the midst of the most discouraging of circumstances. Now I know what some of you are thinking, so I just want to clear it up right away. Having joy in the midst of all circumstances does not mean ignoring sorrow or pain or pretending that it isn't there. In fact, I would say it's quite the opposite. For what authentic and true joy does is it faces sorrow with hope of resurrection and a world made new. And so authentic joy is willing to face the sorrow, to face the heartache, to enter into the pain, but doing it all undergirded with joy. Just as joy learned in Inside Out, that when fear is there, doesn't mean that joy isn't. When sadness rises and bubbles to the surface, it doesn't mean that joy has gone away. When anger is there, it doesn't mean that, that joy is, has gone AWOL, but rather it means that that in those moments of where, where, where fear bubbles up, when sadness bubbles up, when anger bubbles up, we can still have that joy undergirding it all so that, so that eventually the joy will begin to bubble up to the top and we can face those things with true and authentic hope and joy based on the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen? What I'm trying to say to you is that the call for joy in the Bible is far different than turn that frown upside down. But rather, joy in the scripture is a robust theology of hope that chooses joy based on the love of Christ and the faith of what is to come. Amen? And so I invite you this last Sunday of Advent to consider joy. Consider adopting joy in the wilderness because the wilderness will not last forever. And I invite you to consider adopting joy in the waiting because our joy isn't determined by current circumstances but for what God promises us in the future because guess what? The glasses are on the way. Let's say a word of prayer together, and I'll lead us to the table. Heavenly Father, thank you for being the source of our joy. If all we had was the evidence of our own circumstances, our own lives, then certainly we would have moments of joy. We recognize that, but man, there would be so many moments where we would feel overwhelmed, where we would be fearful and have nothing else or little else. We would be sad and have little else to draw from. But God, today, on this Christmas Eve, help us to rest in the goodness and the knowledge of Jesus Christ and your resurrection that has defeated sin and death, your plan, God, to make all things new, your promise to make all things new. Lord, may we rest in those realities and may it bring us joy. And God, we also pray that in these days of Christmas, 
of celebration, of recognizing the light who has come to us. I pray that our homes and living rooms would be filled with joy today and tomorrow and the days to come as we spend time with family. And Lord, may the source of our joy not just be based on the gifts that we give and receive, although, Lord, we are excited about that and we anticipate that. But God, may may the real source of our joy be you. May the real crux of our joy be found in the beauty of this Christmas story. This story, God, that has inherent and intrinsic beauty to it. Sure, we try to make it cute year after year and try to find new ways to communicate it, but God, there is a beauty to this story that deserves to be told year after year after year after year. And so God, connect us to the truth and the beauty of the Christmas story. And may we find our joy in you, we pray. Be with us in these moments as we gather around the Lord's table. May we feel your presence and may we receive joy. And we pray it in Jesus' name, amen.